0: everyone. This is Tina Spangler with TLC Barrels and welcome to my podcast. Today is September 28th of 2021 and it's National Sunday. So I want to give a little shout out to my son who is my heart and I love him, my greatest gift of all. So I hope everybody is having a wonderful week. And this is Q&A number 59 for my Facebook virtual coaching group. And I'd like to welcome some new members, Martine from Florida, Jennifer and Caitlin from Kansas. Welcome to Team TLC Virtual Coaching Group. Um, This week, we had quite a few uh, personal bests come in, and I'm working on videos to uh, this still. Uh, There was about uh, 25 videos that I've got to review, and I have about seven left, and I'm hoping to knock those out this afternoon. Um, there was a member highlight interview I got behind because I was waiting for members to send me back their questions and answered, answer their questions. And, um, so I hope you had a chance to look at them. Last week was Fran and, um, Nancy, and this week is Ashley and Jeannie. So they share some really, um, insightful tips on their, um, their journey with horses and barrel racing and advice and just really great, um, member highlights. So I hope you get a chance to take a look at those. And, um, I shared a couple videos in the group for tips this week, uh, and last week to work on. Um, one is your hand, uh, position in the, uh, competition. That's really important. The other one is, um, Doing lateral face flexing at the trot in circles. And then um, today's challenge for the group skill was to work on uh, being uh, mindful of your breathing when you get anxious or nervous. And work on uh, calming yourself down in any situation in life that you find your heart rate going up or getting yourself butterflies or nerves up. Practice breathing and uh, getting yourself recentered and calm that will really pay off in competition. I also put in there for the skill this week to work on vertical flexion because it challenges you to ride with your core more, and also for your horse, your horse will learn to break in the pole vertically shorten their stride lift their top line and shift their weight to their hindquarters and you'll be doing that with your seat both legs and both hands making contact and um you'll do it at a collected walk and a collected sit jog and those things will absolutely improve your overall um strength and collection making for uh more correct and, and fast and balanced turns in competition. So it's very important to apply that to your weekly uh, riding and exercising to stay fit. And um, it's quite challenging. And start off, if you don't know how to do it, just one second, one inch at a time. But as you become more efficient at it and your horse understands giving to the pressure and riding in contact onto the bridle, Um, you can do it for up to 20 seconds at a time for both you and your horse and then release and reward for 20 seconds and try again. So that's a really good thing to work on. Um, So I want to give some shout outs to the group. Um, There's been quite a few um, people making really great strides with with their selves and their horses, and uh, I'm proud of everybody. I always love to hear on Monday about your wins in the group, whether it's a personal best, uh, a faster time in an arena, or you, you know, accomplished a goal of a perfect first barrel, or, you know, whatever it is, you've got your colt picking up their leads, whatever it is, um, I love to hear about it and celebrate it with you, and like I said, I heard from about 16 of the members this past week, so that's great. And then the uh, personal best drawing will be um, on October 4th for September, and we already have 28 names on that. So I'm going to go into the questions now, and I had about eight questions come in this past week, and then we're going to get into the topic, which is the Heart of the Champion Book Club, and that would be Chapter 2. going to overview that a little bit so i hope everybody bought their book and are reading along and i've gotten a lot of feedback that you're loving the book so that's awesome Um, okay the first question came in about vaccinations and deworming and what i recommend and obviously that's going to be something you're going to want to discuss with your veterinarian your holistic practitioners but i can tell you that having veterinarian friends, and obviously use veterinarians, conventional, and also having holistic mentors and um, holistic people I use, you can definitely um, be made to feel guilty if you don't do exactly what they say. Your holistic ones want you not to do any vaccinating and do blood titers and nozodes, and then your traditional veterinarians want you to do a five or six way every six months. And and the information can be quite overwhelming. So I really think you have to trust your gut on things like that. Um, and you have to kind of look at it. It's kind of like deworming. Back in the day, we used to just alternate our wormers every two months and use different um, different ones for trying to get to all the worms but over the years they found that um, worms have become resistant to ivermectin and some horses are higher egg um, shedders than others and a different, you know, worm count, etc. So now they do fecal counts and some horses may not have to be dewormed, but once a year and other horses more often. Um, again, depending on, you know, their housing and the individual horse and, and such. And I feel like the same is true for vaccinations. Um, if you ever had a really sensitive horse that did poorly with vaccines, you would be more cautious about it. Um, at the very least, an ewt once a year um eastern western sleeping sickness with a tetanus once a year um you know is something that you might want to consider not all horses need the flu rhino if they're not stalling at super shows and such and um, again if you look at how long they last before they might um you know, decline in their efficiency. You know, the vets are saying six months, but blood titers might show something different. So you really have to decide what is best. You know, I don't do like a rabies shot for horses unless there are rabies in the area. Um, Obviously, Eastern Western with sleeping sickness is important um, because mosquitoes in the South can be bad for horses here. I don't do the West Nile because recovery rate is better, and, um, I've had way too many side effects with that one. The Eastern Western, sadly, is one that not very many recover from, and, um, so that one you want to consider for sure. I don't do modified live, like strangles. I only like killed vaccines personally. Um, um, as I mentioned, um, Some horses can just have small reactions like a sore neck. So you'd want to give them a couple days off and maybe put some clay poultice or something soothing like I use dynamite release or miracle clay on them after they do get a vaccine and give them a couple days off because their neck would get sore just like your arm would get sore after a vaccine. I don't personally like doing a five-way all at once because you're asking that horse's body to take in five, you know, five things at once that their immune system has to adjust to. So if you can spread them out and do less and, um, you know, if the tetanus lasts longer and you can just do an EW, you know, those are all things to consider. And, um, you know, again, these are very personal decisions you need to make, but if people are doing fecal counts now for worming, um, blood titers, isn't that unrealistic, um, either but if you just don't want to spend the money on that and you don't feel comfortable doing a five-way every six months those are just decisions you'll have to decide on and like I said maybe EWT once a year you know things like that you just have to make the best decision for your horse's situation and also if you're hauling and spending the night places a lot and all of that but remember just like with us you need time to let your body adjust and, um, I believe, um, there's more research that can be done on it as far as like shedding it and, and all of that. You may want to look into that, but I know how it is. Um, when I started with horses, I was, uh, you know, hundred percent conventional. And then as time went by and I saw the effects of things, I've had horses tie up. One horse got sarcoids after, um, her vaccine, and stuff I became more holistic and you know I'm more 50 50 now and um sometimes 75 holistic and 25 traditional but there is absolutely a time and a place for uh, pr- prevention um you know there is a need for rx medicine obviously you know so I think you just have to find what works for your program and trust your gut but um I do know that feeling um of uh feeling guilt if you don't do exactly what your mentors or teachers or professionals in your team uh, ask you to do. So it's just something you really have to decide on your own. The other thing to consider is you can vaccinate a whole lot cheaper if you do it yourself in order through like Valley Vet and um, they'll send them overnight on ice you never want to leave your vaccines out in the heat or in the sun or anything like that of course and you need to be proficient on giving shots you can look at youtube videos from vets on how to give a a shot um as well and um and you want to be very careful with that. But if your horse is insured, your uh, insurance company may require that you have a veterinarian do your vaccinations when you do Coggins and health certificates. So be be careful with that as well. Know, that, know what your insurance policy requires because if your horse got sick and you didn't have proof of vaccination, there could be an issue. Okay, so the next question is um, Super Show Seasoning. And um, is there things I need to do different um, versus only going to jackpots and all of that? Um, Just know that when you start going to super shows, it is a whole different situation. You've got two or three runs in a row. It's usually in a covered building. They're usually louder. Um, Sometimes you're going to be stalling. Um, There's usually going to be more money and time involved because of that, Um, more entry fees, but there's more added money as well. Um, The ground conditions can be nicer. But also know if you're 1D or 2D at jackpots, you might be a half a second slower at super shows. You may end up being 2D or 3D. You generally lose a half a second going to that caliber of competition when you're used to going to 50 or 100 at jackpots to 200 you know, 150 to 250 or 300 riders, um, you know, the competition increases as the money, added money goes up and the number of entries go up because the payout goes up so um so just don't be hard on yourself as you're seasoning your horse for those situations and um, realize that there's extra care and conditioning that may need to go into that because of it being a multiple day barrel race um, and stalling so you may have to just spend more money and time on you know massages and chiropractic and uh, getting them out into paddocks if you can or walking them more often and 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 again, just adjusting to that kind of atmosphere is important as well. So I hope that's a good answer for you. Um, the next question was, my horse rides mostly off hands, and I'd like to learn how to ride more with body and leg. Um, where would you suggest I start? I definitely think that's really important. I believe a horse should be ridden 80% body. That's your eyes, shoulders, hips, seat, um, and then 18% should be leg, which would be from your knee down, your calves and your feet. And 2% should only be your hands. And um, a lot of people are pretty heavy-handed and do a lot with their hands. So for me, I like to start with circle work. Um, so I like to do circles and true turns, getting them really working off my hips and my shoulders, going from like five-foot circles um, and then being able to finish a turn tight with just my hip, Um, I like to do that. Um, One-handed riding is an excellent way to tell if you're riding with too much hand and not enough body and leg. Um, You could do that with the D pattern, um, single barrel. All of those are really helpful to do one-handed riding. Um, So I would definitely just start at a walk and build up from there. And just be aware of it. Pictures, videos, that will all help you. The next question is, my legs are getting behind me in my um, runs. What can I do? That one can be a complicated answer. Um, it could be your saddle. It could be your uh, seat size isn't the right size for you. Um, it might be uh, you, your stirrups need to be hung differently. Um, you not might be sitting too far forward or leaning way too far forward and not have good balance so your legs are getting behind you. Um, so you need to work on your equitation and all your slow work. Be aware that you're always sitting correct. Your hip, um, heels, hips, and shoulders aligned. Um, there shouldn't be a big movement. Your uh, hands and legs should operate independently of your seat for sure. And things you can do to work on that might be slow work with no stirrups or riding bareback. Um, you can also work on your core strength. Um, and sitting more on your pockets, and sitting back more, that can help as well. So I hope those are some good ideas for you. The next question is, my rollback horse wants more pocket behind the barrel, is that okay? And you know what, it is. Um, I personally, when I'm training horses, I want them to be um, four-wheel drive, and a lot of times I'll train with perfect circles around the barrels, maybe perfect five-foot circles, and then there may come a time where when I'm riding TLC spots, the entrance, the backside, and the exit, spots one, two, and three, I will um, base their pocket on their size, style, and stride, So if i have a really big bubba i might give them a five four three pocket five feet going in four feet on the back and three feet coming out you know maybe the average horse four three two and then the little caddy horse maybe just a three foot pocket going in and then they might be two feet on the back one feet out and that's in competition but on a, a big style rollback horse if you know you're going into let's say um a barrel and they keep their momentum and they like to pivot hard, I might let them pivot more at spot two with a little bit more pocket. I might go, you know, four foot, four foot, uh, you know, go in or even go in three foot and have four or five foot on the back and come out. The thing you got to be careful about too much pocket on the backside is you eat up the clock if it's too deep and also you take the chance of roll backing on top of the barrel. So you have to be careful you keep a little bit of four-wheel drive going. So I don't like on the rollback horses, especially second barrel, to let them get too rollbacky unless you take that rollback between spot two and three, the backside, the exit of second barrel. But you still have to watch you don't catch a barrel leaving because they set so hard. Remember, a rollback is... Ideal for pole bending because it's only a two-inch pole. But in barrels, the barrels are about two feet wide. So a horse has to have a little bit of four-wheel drive or they will roll back on top of the barrel. So it is important that you know your pivot spots on first and third barrel. You can pivot as soon as their hip clears spot to the backside. But on the second barrel, you don't want to pivot and roll back until they their hip clears um spot two clears all the way to spot three because it's a full turn if you were to pivot um just after spot two you would completely take out second barrel leaving so that's something to be aware of as well um but but yes uh, my mare Belle, she was definitely more rollback stiff style but my horses maggie and briscoe were definitely more bendy and more four-wheel drive so in the beginning, I'd like them to all be more four-wheel drive, but if they're starting to show that their efficient style, winning style, is one way more than the other, so, such as um, rollback year front indie, um, I'll work with them, but you also have to, during the week, tune accordingly. You don't want that front endy horse getting too front endy You want to ride more balanced during the week. Um, that rollback horse, you don't want them to get rock-back or too setty. so you work on more flex and fluidity. But again, every horse is an individual and you just have to work with what you have and meet them where they are. (laughs) Mm. Next question. I chose not to enter um, a barrel race that I usually go to because they added a whole lot of new dirt to the arena. I didn't want to hurt my horse not knowing how the ground would be. Do you think that was right to do? I tried to trust my gut and prey on it. Yes, yes, and more yes. That's how I do it too. Um, absolutely. If I don't if I have a gut feeling that this might not be ideal for my horse, it is not worth hurting your horse. Absolutely, it's okay to turn out or not enter or you know, whatever you need to do. But prey on it, trust your gut instincts, absolutely right decision. Next question. Um, let's see here. I was studying my photos. From the barrel races and i notice i'm turning my wrist under uh in my uh turns and um there are absolutely she, so if she noticed that in a the picture there's absolutely members in the group that send me your videos and sometimes the videos are not the best quality ideally if you guys could get me videos from right near first or second where I can see your hands and everything's really close and and your feet and just your eyes, all of that, that would be awesome. But sometimes the videos come from way back at the alleyway or way above third barrel. And I really can't see with lighting or shadows all the devil in the details. So... So yes, photographs, you can send me photos and we can analyze those too because it'll show if your hands are too high or like you said, if you're turning your wrists under, imagine what that is like for your horse and you said it was with your outside rein. So if you take and twist your wrists under on your outside rein, you're having way too much pressure on that balance rein. And that's certainly gonna pull his nose to the outside and drop his shoulder to the inside. So you'd rather have your two hands thumbs up and even going across the pin about midway up his neck. And then when you go to the horn with your outside hand, Your balance frame becomes free, and then you can decide with your inside hand if you need to go flat knuckle and give it to them and lower your hand in the turn and let them work, or if you need to bump them or just hold neutral, that kind of thing. Um, So, yes, photographs can be very helpful along with video, and I think both are great teaching tools. So, I'm glad that you noticed that in your picture. The next question is scissor legs. Um, Can they also be done with the She said that I teach scissor legs inside leg by the front cinch and outside leg by the back cinch. The reason being inside leg is helping the shoulders stay up and the ribs out and outside leg is helping the hips stay in and engaged. And we use that with give and take. And you're most often going to see most horses need that um, that require leg for balance. It's also a great way for set up for lead departures and all of that. Um, but yeah, you can do things different. There's no one right answer or one wrong answer. And everybody has their own little tricks of the trade or, or styles or horses that have taught them one way or another. And here's a perfect example of that. Um, you said that the person you were talking to were doing the inside leg back cinch and outside leg front cinch. Well, um, that was for serpentines, but, um Chrissy Peterson and the great Bozo who were uh, NFR reserve world champions to like nine or ten years behind um Charmaine James and Scamper. She I went to her clinic with a bunch of other WPRA uh in the Colorado days back in the 90s, her and I think five or six other WPRA ladies were just doing a a free clinic where they were just sharing their insight on rodeo and such. And Christy had Bozo there, and Kelly Yates had Fiesta there, and everybody was taking pictures of him. And Christy says, you know, she's a very humble lady, and she says, um, "Don't go away from this clinic, saying I taught you to have your horse swing their butt." But Bozo's so collected when he goes into a turn that um, she says those kind of turns are pretty, those round turns, but they're not as fast. And you can also sometimes, when you lay down, you can catch barrels, etc. So what she would do to keep her horse moving in the turn so he wouldn't catch a barrel because he was so collected and had so much rate, she would use her inside leg in the back cinch to keep him moving and not let his hip get too steady as she drove him. She said she drove him with her legs around and then her outside leg would be by the front cinch for when they were leaving the barrel to straighten the shoulders. So... So that's a case of she needed to kick the hip out to keep him moving and not get too setty. Uh, so a little bit different scenario. Most horses, you would not want their butt to swing in the turns, right? But again, this was a horse who already, like my horse, Belle or Maggie, or sister, already even Belle are very much butt dragging horses and really even Rocky's just naturally collected and has his hip in all the time. So they're not horses that you have to put your outside leg in the back cinch because their hip is already in. But there are horses that tend to do that. So again, every horse is different and scissor legs can be used as needed for the individual um, need. So that's a great question. Sorry, my dog is moving around making noise. Um, The next question is, I can't get my first barrel. And um, I'm really considering sending my horse off to the trainer. Uh, What, you know, any suggestions? Well, I know this person, and I know you've had some amazing first barrels with your horses. Um, I honestly think it's a mental block, not a skill, because you're capable of doing it. I just think that there's a mental block that could be causing it for you. And that's something that you have to really... Think a little bit harder about and really analyze yourself when you had your best runs, what were you thinking and try to re, um, imagine that run reimagine that day the, the way you felt prior the confidence you went into that with and um, and look at that because anxiety and frustration can be caused by a, a few things lack of trust in your skill. Fear of injury or fear of failing, uh, trying to be perfect and setting unrealistic expectations on the outcome, um, maybe even some bad memories or painful thoughts or just being way too hard on yourself. Those are all things you really want to think about when it comes to uh, competition and, um, and trying to have the same first barrel every time and that's what I would recommend so if you can do it in slow work and you've had beautiful first burrows in the past to me it's a mental block that you've got to work through it doesn't matter if some other trainer can do it for you on their horse you've got to be able to do it so you've got to do the work to figure out what's affecting you mentally that you just aren't riding your horses the same every time so that would be how I would address that Um, the next question is how can I calm myself down before my run? And I feel like my nerves are getting the best of me. Honestly, the best thing you can do is breathing slowly. The other day I took a medication for allergies and I didn't see the second medication in it was for sinus. And it got my heart rate going crazy, like 100. I thought I was having a heart attack. So I literally laid down and did deep breathing and put my... um pulse reader on my finger and it got down to 80 just from centering myself and taking deep breaths in and out in and out in and out and that was with a medication I was able to calm my nerves but at first I got my anxiety up because I was like why is my heart racing am I having a heart attack what's happening so you know I didn't and I just went to go look at the medicine I'd taken for allergies and realized they had given me the wrong one one with a, a second medicine in it um So, but the same thing can happen with barrel racing or when you get bad news or anything else, your anxiety can go up, your blood pressure goes up, your heart rate goes up and your horse feels all of that. So it is super important that you learn to breathe deep, take your mind off of your run, pet your horse, tell them you love them. They're a good, good horse. Even sing a song in your mind. I always sing Amarillo by morning to myself. Or you can sing the ABCs, whatever distracts you from the actual run and gets you focused on breathing calmly. That's really important to be able to do for yourself um, prior to your run. So I would definitely recommend trying that. Um, You don't want your horse to feel that way from you. And also you can't ride well when you're you're like that. You can't be calm and in the zone and focused when you're all anxiety and um, freaking out like that. So I think those are all of my questions, and let me double check. Okay, so now I'm going to go ahead and get into, um, I'm going to get into the uh, chapter two, heart of the champion, and that chapter is called, who you invest your time with matters. Now remember, this is a book you should buy and read yourself. So I don't want to give away, um her book by any way, shape, or form, but I absolutely think it's a wonderful book. Um, When I read this chapter, it made me think about uh, personalities, and um, there are type A's, type B's, type C's, and um, it made me think about people who are perfectionist. Remember, no one is perfect. No one is perfect, but yet so many of my clients that I've met over the years are perfectionist oftentimes it's my um, veterinarians my nurses my doctors my lawyers those clients they're very very competitive people um, but remember your your their, your desire to be perfectionist can be a strength for you because you're always going to work to improve yourself but it can also be a weakness as well because you beat up on yourself and you're never good enough you're never happy so I really think balance is key Um, I think you need to be true to yourself but I also think you have to enjoy the little wins that's why on Mondays we have um, you know Mondays we announce our win from the week and it can be as small as I got my horse to load in and out of the trailer calmly Whatever your win is. I rode five days last week. I worked out. I ate better. Whatever your win is. Um, you know, my horse and I are bonding. We're really connecting. I enjoyed a long, relaxing trail ride with my horse. You know, it, it's important to enjoy the small wins to keep yourself inspired, to keep going for those big goals and those big dreams. Um, in the second chapter, she moves to Wyoming, and I was just wondering, I have like 12 things that came to mind as I read chapter two, I was wondering how dedicated are you guys? Are you as dedicated as she is? I mean, she's pretty hardcore and this is a a young person. I don't know hardly any students at her age that I've had over the years that were as dedicated as she was. The second question I have is kind of like the chapter of the story. Um, Do you spend time with people that inspire you or encourage you to improve? um, positive, uh, people in your life. The third question is, and it's kind of a question, what does inspire you? Does my group inspire you? Does watching, um, videos or going to clinics and lessons, uh, or reading books inspire you? Maybe competing inspires you. Um, the fourth thing is I really liked her clothespin story um obviously if you read the book you'll know what I'm talking about chapter two um and I have a clothespin story when I was a girl um I got my Welsh pony at eight years old um somewhere in that time frame maybe I was 10 by then I had to go into the house I don't remember if it was to get something to drink or use the restroom but I tied my horse with her bit um to the garage door and I went inside when I came back she had busted the Um, garage door. She broke her reins and she hurt the side of her mouth and her tongue. Thankfully, it wasn't horrible. She didn't need the veterinarian, but I cried and I cried that I did something that stupid. So um, with that said, the hardest lessons are in life are the ones you never forget and you learn the most from. So I was wondering what yours might have been as a child and then, of course, as an adult. Our mistakes will teach us a lot. Um, That mistake, I never tied a horse in a bit again. I always used a halter. I wasn't lazy. Um, When I see people do things like that now, I cringe. Um, So yeah, what what was your mistake that you learned from maybe as a kid or an adult and um, something that you learned the hard way? And then the next question, number five, um, I liked how she mentioned feeling your feelings. And also it kind of makes me sad. And I think if you're already paying attention in the group um, from chapter one and two, there's some discussion about weight and, and um eating disorders and all of that. And to the young members in our group, I know there's a lot of pressure to look a certain way and be a certain way, but look, here's the bottom line. You know, we all have our genetics, we all have our The way that we are and um you know i hardly ate anything in high school and was a size nine you know i hardly ate anything in my early 20s and was a size 11 in my college years you know i finally as a a mother and a wife settled in at size 13 and now with my hip injury i'm a size 15. it is what it is you know i i life changes your hormones inflammation uh menopause you know, you, you, uh, less active due to injury, whatever it is, you know, um, all you can do is be your very, very best. I realized when I started training horses and wanting to win 1D as a uh, barrel racer, most of the 1D girls were size, um, you know, size one to size six and five feet tall. So I didn't meet that, you know, category, but, I did the best with who I was and what I was, and um, as long as I felt like I was eating healthy and exercising and working, you know, riding all these horses and such, um, I just think that young ladies need to understand that there doesn't have to be one size. As long as you're healthy, be happy. Um, You know, she does talk about this through the chapter, and I just wanted to point that out, that... um, you know, you do have to feel your feelings. And if you don't, it can lead to, you know, bad situations um, down the road. You can't, you won't enjoy things. You won't enjoy life because you have all this negative energy, Um you know, there are some barrel racers that are bigger that made the NFR like Vanna Bessinger and and all of that, you know, and Sherry service thin, but six feet tall, you know, but, you know, not everybody is, you know, tiny and petite little five foot barrel racer size three. So I just wanted to point that out. But number six, um, I like the idea of how she um, set herself goals and she actually carries a card to this day. Uh, of her top three goals. So I think it's important that you make a list. In January of this year, and those of you that weren't in the group then, I asked everybody to set goals for 2021 to make a list um, uh, of their goals. So I'm gonna challenge you to make another kind of list. Maybe make a list of things that you miss and things that you want and kind of feel like what can I do about those things and kind of just feel those feelings and and what can I do about them the next thing I challenge you to do, it's almost October. So that leaves October, November, December, three months left to 2021. Some of you have exceeded your goals. Some of you are still working on them, but 2022 is coming. So this would be a great time to make a new goal list. It would be a great time to set your top five or your top three goals for 2022. Write them down, make a vision board, start to have Uh, a mindset of seeing yourself doing those things and manifesting it to happen. So um, she did mention uh, feeling your pain is important. Denying your feelings, you cannot enjoy the moment. And I agree with that. If you're, you know, in, in struggling with things, you really just can't be present. If you're hanging on to the past, or so consumed about the future, you really can't just be in the moment and enjoy that the day or, or the experience that you're having right now. So um, I thought it was amazing how here she is just a child, a young person, and she could visualize her goals as an adult. Now, most of us, our goals would change from our childhood to our adulthood, but not in her case. So that's kind of unusual, but also awesome as well. So those are things I would like you to consider. Um, uh, number nine, um, actually, that was nine. Number 10, um, I liked how she said goals are oxygen to her dreams and i do think that's very very true by setting yourself goals they are how you keep your dreams alive because you take those big goals for 2022 and you back them down to a monthly goal a weekly goal a daily goal and that's how they become achievable not by you know setting these massive goals without a plan but doing something a little bit every day to reach that big goal and never giving up Um, number 11. Practice until you can't get it wrong. So often, members in my group want to see results, whether it be hitting barrels or alley issues or, or no rate or moving from the 3D to the 1D. It, they want it in a month. And I'll tell you what: by watching this lady's journey, it could be two years, it could be four years, it could be 38 years. So you just have to be patient and enjoy the journey, trust the process, and do the work, and it happens. Um, it's just something that you know i've been preaching in my group for a year that you just work at it a little bit every day. You be patient. You meet your horse where you are. You do the work. You've got to practice practicing until you can't get it wrong. How many people do that? Can you walk the pattern on foot without even thinking about your cues? Can you on on your horse ride the whole entire pattern at a walk, trot, and a lope, one handed perfectly, hit the same spots every single time? You know, those are all things to consider. Um, you realize in the book, she talks about her high school ro- rodeo journey and her goal for the first year, you know, and, and not having, you know, not having the best roping skills or maybe not having a top barrel or pole horse. So she focused on what she could do, which was goats and, um, she could be good at goats. So that's where her focus went. She worked with what she had. She met herself where she was, um, she was hardcore. She worked out and she worked at her goal seven days a week. She only gave her horse off one day a week. So um, she was pretty intense for a young person. Um, I truly, my opinion um, in my opinion, 13th thought on all of this chapter two was practicing will get you to winning and winning gets you to that confidence and confidence is going to lead you to having fun so so that's why we practice we practice so we can increase our chances of winning and then once we start winning we start having that self-confidence because now we are in a winning streak no longer a losing slump and that that confidence is, allows us to go out there and just truly enjoy it and have fun so you have to think of that a lot um the next thing that came to mind was um you know setting those big goals um it doesn't just happen it takes a massive amount of work a massive amount of time and for some people they want instant results and you have to be patient in order to reach these goals especially when you're talking about horses um and then, you know, my, you know, thought, next thought is, are you willing to do the small things? Some people hate the slow work. They don't want to have perfect time, spend time doing perfect circles, 50 each direction at a walk, trot and a lope, you know, um, they don't want to work on their riders cues. You know, they don't want to put a little bit of effort in every single day, but it's that little effort every day that's going to add up and those little perfect circles that you do every day and working on your cues every day. Those are the things that are going to help you win and build your confidence and allow you to meet those goals and start having your fun that you're wanting. Um, So I would ask you, of the four types of personalities there are, which personality are you? Um, There's your average person. There's your more reserved person. There's your more self-centered person. There's your person who wants to be more the role model. Um, and there are, there are categories people fall under type a, those people tend to be in an urgent mode. They can be impatient. They're very competitive. They can get upset easily. Their self-worth is based on their achievement. Um, the type B's are a little bit more easygoing. They can be more relaxed and more flexible. And then your type C, they will struggle with awareness, positive or, negative emotion is not always something that they can identify. Um, They can tend to be a little bit more private and hide their emotions really well. So I'm not sure where you fall under, but most barrel racers will fall under type A, but some will be a nice combination of A and B. So I think you just have to, again, um, be aware of how you're made and, and try to be a little bit kinder gentler if you're that type a on yourself Um, i think that's really important Um, my next comment would be your energy where is it where is your energy are you um, being very negative with your thoughts do you have guilt are you hard on yourself are you able to let go of the past and focus on the present and just be grateful for the day and the moment and moving forward um, realize there are no quick fixes or magic bits. It just takes hard work. And, um, and that's for both you and your horse. And are you willing to do the work? She asked that in chapter two, are you willing? So I would also ask you to, um, to, uh, commit to not comparing yourself to others. You have to honor your own journey. And she talks about this in the book. And I've talked about this in my group. Um, What works best for one person is not going to work best for another. You have to be true to yourself. You're true to your own heart. All horses aren't the same. You can't ride all your horses the same. Your timing and your cues and your position are going to change from horse to horse. So it's no different Uh, within an individual person you're all different personalities you're different types all of those things so keep that in mind and um I think I'm about finally on this I think so um focus on the fun not the failure and so I'm gonna just leave you with a few little sayings um as we finish up chapter two and then I'd like to close with my own thoughts um in addition to the the book Um, but focus on the fun, not the failure. And by having fun, I mean, to try to stay positive, um, not focusing too hard on the outcome, but just enjoying and being present in the moment because, um, when you pressure yourself too much, that's when things aren't going to be as good. And she shares a story when she finally won, uh, the championship in high school, it was because she stopped just dreading and and thinking and worrying so much about the outcome but just enjoyed her family and the event and all of that and she went out there and just did her job and trusted that and it made a huge difference for her that year so um you know she doesn't she doesn't say that that's the only reason or whatever she doesn't know but it was more enjoyable certainly so it doesn't have to be all hardcore you can literally enjoy yourself and have fun too. Once you've done the work, you have to just trust that. So um, I really do feel like the best line of chapter two was the last line. And um, I really, really liked it. So again, if you have the book, you know what I'm talking about. Um, So she, I think, what does she say? Something to the effect of let go of the outcome, keep it fun, set yourself up to perform freely unhabitually and your peak performance will come out so um so basically it's like we talk about a lot do the training during the week and trust it on the weekend so um we often do that we have to train Um, during the week to see where we are and what's working we go to the competition and we see if it's working and then if it doesn't we decide what we need to keep or what we need to change and maybe we need to just do it for a few more weeks or be more patient um but you know that's the whole idea of it so um I don't know about you guys but after I came in from mowing pastures this weekend um I took a shower, and uh, actually, I jumped in the pool, and I came in and was going to get myself something to eat, and there was a movie on, the football movie, Rudy, I don't know if you've ever seen it, but, you know, it's a kid who was told, you know, he... He didn't have good grades and he couldn't play good football. He was just mediocre at everything. And his family worked in a factory and they were told him for four years as he went to work in the factory after high school, he couldn't go to Notre Dame. He wasn't good enough to go to Notre Dame. But after losing his best friend in a tragic accident at the factory, he finally does. He goes to this um notre dame area and he gets a job and he you know starts working on the football field to do anything even if it's painting the lines and you know he he just works his butt off he goes to junior college to get good grades near notre dame he applies to notre dame um he finally gets accepted when he gets accepted he gets on the third ranking team on the team and he never gets to play he never gets to dress for a game um and he gets beat up by all the big guys, and he just has heart, and he does this all the way till his senior year, and finally, um, finally, they let him dress right at the very end of the movie, and he gets to be in a part, and the whole you know team is chanting, and the the people watching the football games chanting, Rudy. That movie shows how important. Um, will is will is so much more important than skill i mean you have to have skill but if you don't have will and you don't just keep trying and keep pressing on you don't have anything to prove to anybody else but you got to do it for yourself so whatever you're trying to do you got to do it for you and he knew he had to do that for himself and um so what did he come away from he wasn't a big fancy football player but he got a degree at notre dame you know, and he, he, was, you know, two years with the first string of the football, you know, he, he, he didn't get to be on the first string, but he got to play in the last game and, you know, an experience of a life. Right. So, so anyways, I, um, I just thought that that was an inspiring movie as well. And, um, they said at the very end of the movie in 1975 is when this happened, he was the only player to ever be carried off of the field. And so there's many books and movies out there that will inspire you and stuff. So I I encourage you to inspire yourself and always um, look at those stories of it wasn't easy. It wasn't easy for uh, Donnie. It wasn't easy for Rudy. You know, it wasn't easy for any of them, but they pushed through and they knew what they wanted. And it just meant the world for them to get there. So um, this weekend I have a clinic in Lady Lake and I'm really excited to get to work with uh, 12 horses and riders there and and you know I used to always start my clinics with saying there is nothing better than hearing the announcer say the new time to beat or the winner is and your name followed behind it. But you know um, I've been doing this business TLC for uh, 29 years now, eight years Colorado and 21 years in Florida, and um and about 20 years of doing clinics and lessons and training horses here in Florida. Um, for me now, it's more about the journey. It's the the journey that matters the most. It's not the buckles, the saddles, or the money one. Now, don't I'm, those are wonderful times. They're beautiful, beautiful memories. But on the whole of the journey. The process has actually been my favorite part. The the relationship with my horses, with clients' horses, the memories made with family and friends, um, all of those things were what stood out to me. You know, um, sure, winning helped my business and all of that, but it was actually the day-to-day that I loved the most and the process that I love the most and today this this day now coaching and and all of that is the process again that I enjoy the most um so again it's the journey for me it always has been when you look back now that I'm in my 50s versus back then in my 20s and um and I think that's really important. I think we need to f- stay focused on that and and see the positivity and the gratitude and the blessings and all of that. So, so anyways, um, I think I will close there. And I want to thank you all for tuning in to my Q&A podcast for the group. Next week will be chapter three and I'll answer all your questions. And I plan to finish up videos today for the group that are waiting on them. I think I have about seven to go that I'm aware of. I'm sure more will come in from the weekend. But um, anyhow, um, God bless everybody. And as always, ride with heart and look forward to hearing about your wins. So have a great week.